We read today from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. This is the New International Version. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me, but he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You may have seen the movie Michael when it came out in 1996. I thought of it this week when I read today's text. In the movie, Mrs. Winters, an elderly lady played by Jean Stapleton, all in the family fame, if you remember that, is struggling with a stupid and heartless financial institution. And an angel, played by John Travolta, comes to her aid. In a spectacularly satisfying scene, the savings and loan bursts into flame. Later, Mrs. Winters boasts about her angel's success, proudly telling investigators, he smote a bank. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to smite a bank? An insurance company? Congress? The Department of Motor Vehicles? Oh, had we the power to smite. What righteousness we would bring upon the earth had we the power to call down fire. I got this idea not only from the movies, but from two disciples of our Lord Jesus, James and John. If anyone was going to have fire-calling powers, it would be these two, who along with Peter constituted Jesus' inner circle, allowed to accompany him where others could not, even to witness just a few verses before this, the transfiguration. They must have been drawing on that status when they offered to call down fire on a village of inhospitable Samaritans. Now at this point in the Gospel of Luke, James and John and the other ten disciples have had a very heady experience of power conferred by Jesus. At the beginning of chapter 9, Luke says, Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Power and authority over all demons. Power to cure diseases. What was that like for the disciples? What would that be like for us as a congregation? 
Imagine the 1,092 members of this congregation filled with that power, moving from town to town, casting out demons that have ruined people's lives and healing the wounds of this world because Jesus gave us the power to do so, engaging, healing, transforming. But how long before we were tempted to misuse that power? If we disapproved of someone's choices, would we be tempted to withhold the curing of their disease because, after all, they brought it on themselves? Would we choose to help those whose opinions we shared and ignore those with whom we disagreed? How long before we were tempted not just to ignore, but to smite? For James and John, about 40 verses. A page and a half in my Bible from the time that Jesus gave them power and authority to their proposal to call down fire. Now here's how it happened. You heard it in the text, but let's review. With his eyes fixed on what would be a life-ending journey to Jerusalem, Jesus sent messengers ahead to prepare his way. And along that way, a village of Samaritans refused hospitality because, as it says, his face was set toward Jerusalem. A little biblical history here. Depending on who you ask, Samaritans were either the descendants of foreign conquerors of Israel or the descendants of Jews who came back after exile. The Samaritans considered themselves Israelites. The Jews disagreed. Naturally, the result was enmity, and naturally, much of their enmity was concentrated into a fight about religious practice. What is the proper place of worship? For the Samaritans, God told them it was Mount Gerizim. For the Jews, Jerusalem. The Samaritans in the village would not receive Jesus because his face was set toward Jerusalem. Now remember, Jesus' instructions to the disciples for a development just like this were to shake the dust off their feet and move on. But John and James had a different idea. Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume them, destroy them? Let the smiting begin. There is biblical precedent. In 2 Kings, the prophet Elijah calls down fire on two squadrons of soldiers just to demonstrate, as he says, that he's a man of God. Now, if you've never heard that story, it's because it isn't in the Revised Common Lectionary from which we draw our preaching texts. And it probably isn't in the lectionary because it's hard to preach as an example of how we show our relationship with God. But the disciples would have known it. It is in the Hebrew Scriptures. In some manuscripts of the Bible, James and John say, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven like Elijah? But what made James and John think they had this power? Chapter 9, verse 1 says, Jesus gave them power and authority over demons and the power to cure disease, but not as far as we know the power to call down fire. Verse 2 says, he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal, not to smite. Well, for their brilliant idea, all that James and John got was a rebuke. 
And this was not the first time Jesus had to issue a correction. In the paragraph just above today's text, John had said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not stop him, for whoever is not against you is for you. James and John were sent out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. But by this time, their concern is neither proclamation nor healing, but position. Those Samaritans who think they are the real Israelites, we will show them whose side God is really on. That guy who's healing in Jesus' name but is not in our posse, we will put a stop to that. And working backwards from those texts, we find just up the page, Jesus' disciples arguing among themselves as to which one of them is the greatest. Maybe it was during this argument that someone first dreamed of calling down fire. <clears throat> the problem with power is once people get it, they sometimes start to focus on how to keep it. One way to preserve power is to draw lines around it to keep other people away from it. If the lines aren't sufficient, then smiting amplifies the message. How did James and John get to this point? What went on between chapter 9, verse 1, when Jesus sent them out with power, and verse 10, when they returned? Verse 10 says the disciples told Jesus all they had done, but did they really tell all? There might have been things they forgot to mention. Times they argued among themselves when Jesus was not there to hear. Maybe times they fought, maybe even physically with Samaritans, over who loved God the right way. Times that they saw someone doing good in the name of Jesus and told him to knock it off because he didn't have permission. On their journey from village to village, did the disciples ever sit around the campfire at night and talk about who they would smite if only Jesus would give them that power? Even without the power to call down fire, the text suggests a darker possibility. They had power and authority over demons. Were they ever tempted to use those demons in their own interest? There is clearly some danger in the disciples having power and authority without Jesus being there to guide them in its use. But Jesus knew he would not always be there to turn and rebuke. Right around the time he sent them out with power and authority, he was also beginning to prepare them for his death. And if his instructions could be boiled down to one word that would help them, guide them, and channel their power and authority for good and not for ill, in today's text, that word might be focus. Now, I suggest that word because of where we are in the Gospel of Luke. It's a turning point when Jesus turns from his ministry in Galilee and sets his face toward Jerusalem. Those words in the NRSV set his face, and better translated, steadfastly fixed his face. Echo Isaiah chapter 50, where the servant says, Therefore I have set my face like flint. Jesus was flinty in his focus. Maybe when Jesus rebuked James and John, he chastised them for their focus. By the way, 
Up to this point in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has rebuked demons, he's rebuked a fever, and he's rebuked the wind and waves. But James and John are the first humans to receive a rebuke from Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. I wonder what he said. Maybe it sounded something like, call down fire? Is that what I gave you power and authority to do? To punish people who reject you? To worry about who is and is not part of your club? To argue about who's the greatest? Is that what I asked you to focus on? There are other suggestions of focus in the latter part of today's text. Someone says, Lord, I'm going to catch up to you as soon as I bury my father. And another says, Lord, I'll catch up to you. First, let me go and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus, in his replies, urges them to focus ahead. There's an urgency in this passage, a sense that Jesus is heading somewhere in a hurry. And yet, in Luke, Jesus' journey to Jerusalem takes ten long chapters. Anyone with a Bible and a map can tell you it wouldn't take that long to get from Galilee to Jerusalem. Geographically, Jesus' path, including a detour into Samaria, is not at all efficient. Furthermore, he stops a lot. He stops to pray, to teach, to visit Mary and Martha, to heal, to bless children, to invite Zacchaeus down from a tree and to go, dinner, to go to dinner at Zacchaeus' house. And no sooner does he finally enter Jerusalem than he stops to weep over it. Whatever his focus, it had nothing to do with getting anywhere in a hurry. No more than it had to do with arguing or power dynamics or smiting. And yet it had a lot to do with what he told the disciples to do when he sent them out at the beginning of chapter 9 with all that power and authority. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Why could they not stay focused on that? Why indeed? As my old professor Bill Leonard, Leonard used to say, listen, run the list. Pride, the disciples didn't appreciate their Lord's being rejected. Religious enmity, the Samaritans who rejected Jesus were clearly false worshipers of God. Insecurity, if just anyone could heal in the name of Jesus, did that mean James and John weren't special? The need for attention, a little fire artfully deployed would take care of that. So many reasons to lose focus, so human, so familiar to us all. And oh, had we the power to smite, what a mess we would make of everything. As it says in one of my favorite verses, James 1.20, your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Jesus did not give James and John the power to call down fire for the purpose of destroying those with whom they disagreed. No more has he given it to us. But fire does appear on the disciples in the book of Acts, which is volume two of the Gospel of Luke. The fire of the Holy Spirit rested on each of them, giving them the power to do what? To proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Is it not our faith that we too have been touched by the Holy Spirit, not with the power to smite, 
because just as an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind, a smite for a smite leaves only destruction. Instead, we are touched with the power to proclaim and to heal. Imagine it. 1,092 Moravian Christians filled with that power, moving from town to town, casting out the demons that have ruined people's lives and curing the diseases of their hearts, focused on engaging and healing and transforming. May it be so. Amen.